Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Purpose Podcast. My name is Haas Rauscher. The goal of this podcast is to help men find and fulfill their purpose. I'm going to try to help them be good, strong leaders, good, strong men, good male role models in their communities. I'm going to do that by having conversations. I'm going to invite guests on. I'm going to ask our guests, what is your purpose? What do you think your purpose ought to be? How did you find that purpose? And what do you do every single day? How do you get up, get after it, and go and fulfill that purpose? Today we have the second episode of the Meditations Book Club Review. Uh, I guess you could call it maybe the first episode, first and a half episode. Um, technically, I think the last one was uh, episode number one, but we're really going to dive into it um, from the beginning right here on this episode. I think I figured out how how I want to review this book. Uh, it's a tough book to really wrap your head around um to offer a review uh mostly because it's just so it's dense in a way that a lot of people i think make it a little bit too dense um i don't think it's the way it was really supposed to be read um i also think that expectations are high with this book and i think that i had such a hard time um such a hard time figuring out how to review this book that it just the because the expectations were I felt were so high the expectations I was putting on myself were so high of this book um which <laughs> the way I was behaving was not very stoic which is kind of funny um kind of ironic uh but somebody said something to me cuz I was telling them that I was having a hard time trying to review this book and uh, they said, well, you said multiple times that Leadership Strategies and Tactics was your favorite book of all time. It is. Uh, you loved reviewing that one. You knew exactly how to approach that one, exactly what you wanted to do. Um, you love the book so much. It obviously connects with you. Why don't you try to approach uh, meditations through the lens of Leadership strategy and Tactics? And I thought that was just, that was awesome. That was brilliant, um, honestly. Uh, you know who you are, who gave you that idea. And that, that was wonderful. And so, uh, the way that I'm going to do this is I'm going to keep it simple, which is, uh, I believe the, uh, first law of combat, <laughs> maybe that's the second cover and move. Uh, no, it's yeah. So cover and move simple. So we're going to keep it simple. And the way I read this, uh, what I, what I really want to do with this book club, I've got to define what I'm actually trying to do with this book club. What do I want to give to you? Uh, I'm putting a lot of time into it. What do I want you to get out of it? Well, here's the deal guys. I know that academics aren't tuning into my book club. Um, I know that, uh, it's not university literary analysis professors you know, English professors that are tuning into my book club. And that's not a bad thing. That's, I mean, if they want to grow and find their purpose, I would absolutely love to have them here, but that's not why I'm here. The reason I'm here is to help young men, uh, particularly men that haven't been to college yet, uh, men my age in the twenties. Now this can work for old men as well, but help them try to better their lives. And I've identified that I think literature can do that. And so I've been putting all my pressure, all the pressure on myself to review these books at such a high level because how you do one thing is how you do everything. Um, and, you know, these books deserve literary analysis, but there's a million and a half people doing that for these books. 
So I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to approach it at a level that I think a high school senior, uh, a high school junior would approach these books because they are attainable. And I think that a lot of times uh, we've gotten so maybe pedantic is the word. I don't know. I learned that word the other day and I like to use it uh, pedantic in the way that we view some of these books that <laughs> kids, you know, young men coming out of high school, when they see these books, like now meditations is one because it's a fad and everybody wants to be a stoic and everybody wants to be Marcus Aurelius. So all of these kids are reading meditations, but let's take blood Meridian, for example, um, the book that we're reviewing next Atlas shrugged. It's so intimidating because all of academia is looking at it. It's so intimidating because it seems so sophisticated. Um, in reality, there are a lot of things that we can get out of this book, all of these books, that have nothing to do with sophistication in academia. Quite the opposite. Um, they have to do with real-life problems and how do we solve real-life problems. And so what I'm going to do with these books is I'm going to go through and I'm going to read them the way that I think that they're going to help me and the way that I think that they're going to help high school juniors and high school seniors because I think that's who needs the most help. And younger, I mean, junior high kids, uh, because that's who needs the most help. You 40 year olds and stuff like that. I'm glad you're here. I'm obviously here to serve you as well. If you had anything that I can do better, let me know. But the main reason I'm here is to help young men. And so the way I'm going to do these book reviews, uh, not that any of you, I think would be pissed off, but basically just so that I can be content with myself is I'm not going to dive in deep to the, all the illusions and the literature and, uh, you know, what are the pros of this book? Now, I may, in, you know, invoke some of that to, to prove a point or uh, to help younger men understand what how pros help the book. Uh, number one, I don't fucking know how they help the book. So uh, <laughs> that's something that I've got to learn. Um, I barely even knew the word pros before I started doing this. Um but I don't think that's going to help anybody. And I think that they would turn it off. And the last thing I want for them to do is to turn this off. Uh, not because um, not because that would mean less views or less listens for me, but it means that I'm not fulfilling my purpose with the podcast. Uh, it means that I'm not helping young men if they're turning it off. So um, if you were coming to this podcast looking for high-level literary analysis from your engineer friend, I apologize. Uh, that's not what you're going to be getting, even on Blood Meridian, which I have found out is the most uh, literary analysis capable book <laughs> on the face of the planet, I guess. Um, I didn't know that when I chose it because uh, I don't know things about books. Um, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to dive in. You're not going to get four hour long lectures about how Blood Meridian relates to Moby Dick and what was he really trying to say about this and is he proclaiming himself as a new god and uh you know in meditations what do we what does this one word mean and how does he use it you're not going you're not going to get that from me um I don't think that's what this is going to be and I think that there's plenty of that out there if you want some of that go go listen to somebody else and let me know about it so that I can go listen to um that's not what we're going to do here I don't think so let's get to the point of the matter um, meditations. How am I going to review this? Uh, I sat down and I was wanting something out of this book. And I think a lot of people do this and they don't really realize it. They may just say, oh, I'm going to read this book. Most people, they hear about a book. It's the same, judging a book by its cover. It's literally the cliche. And they, they want something out of this book. And for me, I've got to figure out what it is that I want out of this book. Most of the time, 
that reveals itself in the notes that I'm making, what I decide to highlight. Uh, meditations. I'm not looking for a handbook on stoicism. I'm not sold on stoicism. I've, I've discussed this. Uh, a lot of people are looking for a handbook on stoicism in meditations. So that's what they take it as. Uh, I'm not looking for a way to be content with my own death. Uh, I don't know that I've come to that conclusion yet, but it wasn't what I was looking for when I opened the book and it wasn't what hit me when I read it. So the momentum more, that's, that's a big theme that, that happens in this book is, uh, remember that you're going to die and be content with that and live your life in a way that honors the fact that you're going to die in the future. That's great. Yeah. Uh, do that. I, it's not what I was looking for out of this book. Um, I don't think that it actually has a lot of benefit, uh, to high school juniors and seniors. I don't <laughs> I think if you ask, um, an 18 year old, uh, let's say in Stephenville, Texas, um, because those folks get Western down there to, Oh, remember the fact that he's going to die. He's going to laugh at you because those guys can't die. They can't. Um, it's impossible for 18 year olds in Stephenville, Texas to die. If you ask them. So that's not what we're going to do. Um, when I read this book, uh, I got certain themes out of it, things that I was looking for. And funny enough, they were, a lot of them come from Jocko, uh, the themes that I had. A lot of them are consistent with Jocko. Um, so that's the way we're going to look at this book. I've got three weeks to review it. So uh, this is broken down into 12 books. I'm going to start with book one through four, for those of you that can count on your fingers. Um one through four, and I'm going to do four books a week. Uh, it's not that hard. What we're going to do, and I'm telling myself this, not y'all, that it's not that hard because I've been nervous about it for a while now. And I know you can hear me turning pages, and it's probably gross. Um, sorry. <laughs> uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to highlight the main themes in the four books that I'm going to review that week. What themes was I, what themes, I guess, was I, were I, what themes did I find in these four books? And I'm going to go through and I'm going to give you maybe one, maybe two, but my favorite passage out of those books that support that theme. And if you've read meditations, you may go through this and be like, he missed this important one. Yeah, I missed it for a reason. Either number one, everybody else and their mom has covered it and their dog. Or uh, I just didn't think it had as much value as these other ones. And it, it wasn't unique enough to... Uh, to to capture my attention. So, and that's not a big middle finger to the things that are in this book that are of value. I'm just saying that I'm trying to offer something different to these other people. So that's how I'm going to do it. Let's go ahead and get into the review, uh, the week one review of meditations, book one through four. The, uh, the three themes that I highlighted, uh, not really highlighted, but that I found in this week one review, book one through four is going to be purpose, discipline, and good. Uh, now I'm going to have to explain those. So purpose, you're on the purpose podcast. Uh, I don't know that you thought you would get out of this without a, a significant discussion on purpose. And obviously I'm running the purpose podcast. That's what I was looking for when I came to this book. That's what I'm going to find. Uh, you know, when you're a hammer, everything's a nail, uh, and it's a damn good nail to hammer. So that's what we're going to do. Uh, purpose is going to be the first theme discipline. Big on discipline. Big discipline guy. Um, I love Jocko. You know I love Jocko. I like discipline. I think discipline equals freedom. Uh, I don't think that just because Jocko has told it to me. I think that because I've seen it work. So discipline is going to be another fear. or not, not another fear. A, uh, another theme that I got out of this book. 
And, uh, well, I didn't get it out of this book. I just found a lot of things that support the idea that discipline is good. So that's what we're going to go through. The next one is good. Now, Bret Hart is uh, jumping up and down listening to this. Uh, if you know anything about Jocko, and you've probably heard it anyway without knowing anything about uh, Jocko, but one of his most popular videos on YouTube is a poem that he wrote called Good. Or I, don't, I don't know if it's a poem. It's just like a, I guess a monologue, I guess is the, is the proper way to say it. But good is this idea that things aren't bad. Things that happen to you aren't bad, they're good. So, for example, <laughs> and I'm going to throw Brett right under a bus here because uh, I love the man. When Brett sends me a uh, text and says, man, I really hate these damn safety briefings where, you know, I run around uh, in a car talking about, you know, restocking Coke or whatever he does. Um, I think he's in sales now. Sorry, that wasn't to be rude to Brett, but um, I think he does the, the sales and management of like stocking of, of Coke and stuff. Uh, he's like, why am I learning about, you know, non-slip shoes and hard hats and stuff? And uh, I said, good, more knowledge. So that's the idea is when it happens, good. So find something good about the things that happen in your life that you're not exactly uh, keen on. And sorry, that, that was a little jab at Brett because he sent back, he said, damn it, Hoss, you're right. <laughs> so I got him on that literally this morning, the, the morning that I'm recording this Uh or the day that I'm recording this, well, the Wednesday that it'll come out because I procrastinated. So, um, yeah, this morning Brett sent me this uh, whiny text message about a safety meeting, and I, I hit him with good just because I'm an asshole, and I thought it was really funny, <laughs> um, and it was. But anyway, uh, it's it's that theory of good remaining. Um, you could stay, you could say stoic, but uh, maybe this is where I'll find some cont contention with Marcus Raylis. And sorry, guys, I'm a little stuffed up. I apologize. Um, but maybe this is where I find a little bit of disagreement with Marcus Aurelius and the Stoicism is uh, maybe I don't find it to be a benefit to be unchanged by the things that happen to you uh, because I want to take them and, and keep them in a positive light. So if, yeah, if, if something bad happens to me and I don't immediately fall into negative emotion, is that okay? Wonderful. Yeah, that's, that's fine. But if I immediately go into find some reason to be positive about it, if I'm default positive, default aggressive, default positive, um, I think that's even better. I think that's better than stoicism. And maybe they're saying the same thing. Maybe I'm just not seeing it in here. But I think Jocko's good is uh, is good. And I think it's the, the best way to approach drastic changes that happen in your life. And I think that Marcus Aurelius has said some things that support that. So uh, we're going to go through and look at good and how it's represented in uh, in this book. So Guys, uh, that's what I've got. Let's go ahead and hop into uh, purpose. So following the theme of purpose, we're going to look uh, first thing at book one, page 12. So book one, page 12. Flip right to it. So, basically, he's talking about this is uh, his debts, debts, and uh, yeah, debts and lessons. Sorry, debts, yeah, debts and lessons. It's where he's talking about the things that he's learned, the things that he owed to people in his life, and he. This is number seventeen, the gods. So the things that he owes to the gods, which are uh, plenty, if you are sitting here looking at it. 
Um, what I keyed in on, and this may be something that you keyed on when you read it, but basically he says, uh, what I highlighted is that I wasn't more talented in rhetoric or poetry or other areas. If I had felt that I was making better progress, I might have never given them up. A lot of, so what is, what is he saying there? Let me, let me rephrase that that I wasn't more talented in rhetoric or poetry or other areas that I'd felt that I was making better progress. I might have never given them up. Okay. What I've got written here is be grateful for your weakness because they provide room for your strengths. How does this relate to purpose? What he's saying here is that he's thankful that he wasn't good at everything and especially the things that he wasn't good at. He's, he's thankful that he wasn't good at those things because what it did is it found it created room for his purpose. He says right here, I might have never given them up. Um, if he was more talented at rhetoric or poetry, it still may not be his purpose. And he's thankful that he wasn't more talented because he never would have found room for his purpose. And that That's the way that that really hit me uh, was, man, how, let's take singing, for example, uh, because I'm awful at it. Um, you know, you look at, people like Zach Bryan who came out of nowhere and just created this awesome life for himself because he's got a magnificent voice, a huge talent for writing songs. Um, one of the best musicians of our generation, I think, uh, specifically, I think he's Gen Z. I don't know. He may be close to 30. I, I, I don't know. I consider him my generation because he came about right when I was like leaving high school, uh, is when he really started to come up. So, uh, so it's not necessarily jealousy um, to want to be good at other things that people are good at. It's just the desire to be good at things and to acknowledge your own inadequacies. So a lot of times when I'm listening to Zach Bryan, I'm like, man, I wish I could sing like that. You know what I mean? Like, and because he's, he's coming through your headphones and the way he's singing and the songs that he's writing, it just, it makes you feel a certain type of way. That's why music is effective is because it makes you feel a certain type of way. And I don't have the ability to do that with the tone of my voice and the melodies that I can sing. I don't, I don't have the ability to do that. Um, and I think what he's saying here is that if I was slightly more talented at that, take the, uh, <laughs> I always use this as an example, but take everybody went to a church somewhat. Uh, not everybody that sang at your church was really all that good at it. They just could and would. Uh, they weren't tone deaf and they would sing. So they got to go up on stage. Uh, maybe if I was that good at singing, I never, maybe never would have stopped. Uh, and I would be beating my head against a brick wall trying to sing and wasting all that time on it. Um, what am I good at? I think I'm good at uh, conceptualizing things and talking about them at a level that other people can understand. That's what I'm doing right here. So the idea is to be thankful for the things that you're not good at and don't sit there and, and be jealous. Don't be resentful because you're not good at these certain things and understand when you're not good enough at something to make it your purpose. Uh, don't waste your life away. Now there is something for passion and hobbies. I'm not saying that there's not, but, uh, a lot of people waste their life away doing things that they really, really want to be good at that. They're just not, they're just not. And all that effort could be pushed towards something that they are good at, that they find out that they enjoy more 
and could be their purpose. And it could be for whatever reason. I mean, let's talk about uh, fathers living through their sons. That's a good one. Um, you know, baseball. Uh, how many fathers do you know that live through their sons through baseball or football? Um, I watched many a kid tear themselves up at football because their dad uh, was a star running back in high school, and if he hadn't busted his ACL, he'd be in the league. And they wasted their life on football. They weren't very good at it. They're a hell of a baseball player. He didn't give a shit. I mean, he didn't care. Watched plenty of kids go through that. They could have been D1 baseball players. They could have gone to the league in baseball if their dad wasn't an asshole. So, um, and, and sometimes they did it on their own accord. You know what I mean? They wanted to be like daddy. Uh, not a bad thing to do, but they just weren't good at it. They weren't good enough at it to justify throwing all that time at it. It wasn't their purpose. Um, that's kind of the way I, I took that. So we're going to move on for purpose. Book one was really good. Book one had a lot of different stuff in it. Uh, but that's what I got from purpose out of, out of book one. I think that was, uh, that was my favorite book two. Let's see. What do we find for purpose in book two? We're going to go to page 19, number seven. Flip to that real quick. Sorry, I've got it written down. Trying to get back and forth is is pretty, pretty tough. So page 19, number seven, he starts off with, do external things distract you? Then make time for yourself to learn something worthwhile. Stop letting yourself be pulled in all directions, but make sure you guard against the other kind of confusion. People who labor all their lives but have no purpose to direct every thought and impulse towards are wasting their time, even when hard at work. Um, that's kind of deep, and it kind of goes with what we just talked about, but people who labor all their lives but have no purpose to direct every thought and impulse towards are wasting their time, even when hard at work. I mean, it goes perfectly with what we just discussed, but... <laughs> Having a purpose, um, let's see, why does he think that it's good to have a purpose? Because it prevents you from confusion. Do external things distract you? Then make time for yourself to learn something worthwhile. Stop letting yourself be pulled in all directions. So uh, think about the person you know that works super, super hard, uh, but they've got a million different things going on and they can't get their shit straight. Um, They're a hard worker. It's not like they're lazy. Uh, but they've got a million things going on. They don't really know what they want to do. They're super passionate about every different thing every other week. Um, he's saying that they're wasting their time. It's not good enough just to work hard. A lot of people, and you'll find this in the, uh, the personal development sector, whatever you call that ecosystem, whatever the hell it is, um, let's say, we'll just work hard at something. Just go out there and work hard. Uh, you know, Jocko may be saying that. Uh, without a purpose, there's really no point because eventually you're going to find the next thing to work hard on and it's never going to pay off. Um, some people it will, some people go through and they find one job that they like that they didn't think they would like, and they just go through and they diligently work at it. And then they find out that they like it and it ends up being their purpose. Uh, I think what really happens there is they have another purpose to unite around and the hard work is just the hard work that, that helps them fulfill that other purpose. Think of the dad that got the job he didn't want because he had a baby, uh, before he expected it. So he went to work at the factory and he just put his nose on the grindstone and started working at the factory. Next thing you know, he owns the factory or whatever. Uh, you know, he's operations manager for the factory and he's able to put his kid up in a, you know, in the colonies in Amarillo, if you know where that's at, uh, in a big ass house. That's nice. 
Um, there is that, but they still have a purpose. And what he's what he's saying here is stop letting yourself be pulled in all directions. Uh, people who labor all their lives but have no purpose to direct every thought and impulse toward are wasting their time even when hard at work. He's not saying that all of your uh, all of your work has to be towards the purpose. He's saying that your thoughts and your impulses must be towards a purpose. You must be doing these things for a purpose. Okay? Does that kind of... I, I don't know I'm asking a rhetorical question. I don't know who's going to answer it. Uh, I guess, does that make sense? Think to yourself if that makes sense. Um, yeah, let me know if you think that makes sense. So, uh, I'm going to keep looking. I don't think I've got anything else. Let's see. So... Go back to, I know this is kind of hard, guys. Bear with me. Um, book number three. Okay, what do we find in purpose for book number three? We're going to go page 33, number 12. Flip all the way there. Page 33, number 12. If you do the job in a principled way with diligence, energy, and patience, if you keep yourself free of distractions and keep the spirit inside you undamaged as if you might have to guide it back at any moment, if you can embrace this without fear or expectation, can find fulfillment in what you're doing now as nature intended and in superhuman truthfulness, every word, every utterance, then your life will be happy. It's kind of deep when you think about it. Um, what is he saying here? Read it again. If you do the job in a principled way with diligence, energy, and patience, if you keep yourself free of distractions, there's that free of distractions again that we heard about earlier. And keep the spirit inside you undamaged as if you might have to give it back at any moment. Okay. What does he mean here? Be free of distractions. Live your life in a, if you do the job in a principled way. Do the things that you do with principles. Um, do them with diligence, with energy and patience. All of this is involved in having a purpose. What gives you patience is the idea of knowing that you're fulfilling your purpose and eventually you will fulfill your purpose. Otherwise, it's just hedonism. Otherwise, it's just how quick um, how quick can I get the result if you don't have a purpose? Um, you're going to switch to the next thing if you don't have a purpose and some reason to keep working. If you can embrace this without fear or expectation, can find fulfillment, fulfillment in what you're doing now as nature intended and in superhuman truthfulness, every word, every utterance, then your life will be happy. Um, if you can embrace this without fear or expectation, can find fulfillment in what you're doing now. So um, I think that part of if you can find fulfillment, I think we find, he, what he's saying is if you can find fulfillment in the things that you're doing, I think the only way to really do that is to have some sort of central purpose. I think that's the only way it makes sense because otherwise... Basically, what he's saying here is if you can embrace this without fear or expectation, can find fulfillment in what you're doing now as nature intended, it's that in what you're doing now part, as in in whatever you're doing, how you do one thing is how you do everything, can you find fulfillment in it? Can, if you're taking out the trash, can you find fulfillment in that? Uh, these jobs that we talk about that you don't really like, that aren't your purpose, um, how do you find fulfillment in those? By having some central purpose and making sure that your actions are directed towards that. That's what I get out of that. Uh, and he's saying that if you do these things, then your life will be happy and nobody can prevent it. It's up to you 
to decide what your purpose is and how you're going to fulfill that and how you're going to frame your actions in reference to your purpose. If you can embrace this without fear or expectations, can find fulfillment in what you're doing now. Okay, what he's saying is if you can do it, not if somebody else can give you the fulfillment, not if somebody can ease your fears or ease your expectations. He's saying if you can do it, then you can live a happy life. If you can organize your life around purpose and find fulfillment in the things you do through fulfilling your purpose, then you can live a happy life and nobody can prevent that. Nobody can keep you from doing that. Uh, I think that's that's pretty deep. Uh, I, I like that. Uh, I highlighted that and said, I... That's that's big. Um, I know I'm kind of stumbling for words, but it's up to you, guys. It's up to you to identify your purpose. I can't identify your purpose for you. I can't give you a purpose. It's up to you. And once you finally come to the realization that it's all up to me, then you can live a happy life. I actually had a buddy uh, that said that. He said, it. I finally just came to the realization that it was me that had to do it. It was me that had to make the change. And that's when I became slightly more okay with it. <laughs> he said he felt the responsibility of what he had to do, the changes that he had to make. But once he just finally realized that it wasn't going to happen until he got off of his ass, uh, that's when he understood that it was going to be okay and that nobody could sway him. Like nobody could change his opinion on the matter. Uh, not really change his opinion, but nobody can make him not happy about the things that he's doing because he realized that it's him that's going to have to do it. Uh, the things that he's thinking about doing are going to make people unhappy. And so he's uh, he's finding fulfillment and happiness in the fact that it's it's him that has to do it. And he's doing it to fulfill his purpose. I think I've beat that horse well enough. Um, need to quit losing my page. So I'm going to go back here. Book number four. Okay, for purpose. Book number four was kind of hard to get things out of. This is when, when I told you earlier about how uh, these things can have a lot of mush in it. Uh, I think book four had a little bit of mush in it. A little bit. Uh, maybe it wasn't as bad. Actually, book three was kind of hard. Uh, but book four had a little bit of mush in it. So book four, purpose. We're going to go to page 37, number two. Note number two. Page 37. It's not even marked on the on the modern library. Uh, sorry, modern library version. It's like the verse two of of book four. He says no random actions, none not based on underlying principles. I highlighted that and wrote live intentionally and with purpose. The one that I want to really key in on is no random actions. Nothing that's not calculated, nothing that's not in line with your purpose. And one thing that I always hated, and I know it's kind of a joke, it's kind of a meme, uh, nobody really says it anymore, was the YOLO, the you only live once. And that was used to justify doing a lot of stupid shit. Um, because it was it was random. Like, oh, what are you doing? Well, YOLO, like just living life as it comes. Everything's random. You're living reactionary, not with intent, uh, not with purpose. And I think he's saying here, don't do that. No random actions, none not based on underlying principles. That that second half is really good. None not based on underlying principles. Uh, another part of, uh, maybe this isn't even tied to purpose. I'm sure it is in some way. But have, be principled in the things that you do. Understand who you are, what you think about the world, and how you're going to operate in this world. Build yourself a set of principles. And I'm working on something that is going to, uh, hopefully clarify my thoughts on this, but 
Um, I believe that people must operate under a certain set of principles or values used interchangeably in, in, in that sentence. Um, principles or values that um, must direct the way that they live, a set of rules that they live by, uh, that determine the way that they interact with the world and other people and the situations that they come across. What he's saying here is, is no random actions, none not based on underlying principles. Um, don't be movable with the wind, all of these things. Don't let other people move you. Know your principles and find your principles. I guess tie them back to your purpose is what I was going for there. Live life intentionally. Yeah, no random actions. Set out every day knowing, so for example, my purpose, I've said it a thousand times, my purpose is to be a good husband, eventually be a good father, be a good leader to those around me. I'm going to make the decisions during my day that honor that purpose, um, that, that say, okay, this is what I want to do for my purpose. My principles of ownership, excellence, honesty, integrity, uh, those are going to guide me in how I fulfill this purpose. And uh, every action that I take today is going to be somewhat calculated in, in fulfilling that purpose and honoring those principles. I think that's really what he's trying to say here. And a lot of people don't think like that. A lot of people really don't. A lot of people are very reactionary. Uh, they get up in the morning. They know that they have to go to work. Uh, they don't really know what they're going to do at work today. They don't really know how they're gonna, their day is going to go. They don't plan things out. Uh, and it's because they don't have something greater than them to, to put their effort towards, I think. They don't have a purpose greater than themselves to apply their effort towards. I don't think that's just a guess. So that was a good one. Yeah. Number two on book three, let's see. The next category is going to be discipline. I love discipline. Uh, discipline has absolutely saved my life. Discipline equals freedom as Jocko likes to say it. So, um, we're going to start book one, page nine. Book one, page nine. And if I seem a little bit unprepared for this, it's because I was. <laughs> um, I jumped into, uh, I was going to do this one way, and I sat down, immediately pulled my mic out, and said, oh, what if I do it this way? So if I seem a little unprepared, it's because I was. Uh, yeah, good hint. Things are almost always what they seem. <laughs> so uh, this is, again, in Debts and Lessons uh, from Maximus. Uh, the one thing that I highlighted, it's it's towards the end of his note on Maximus. He says, the sense he gave of staying on the path rather than being kept on it. This is big. This is big. I want you to remember this. I want you to write it down. Because Marcus, he gives, I guess they're called analogies, is what we call them in proper English, as to how you exercise self-discipline in a way that I never really thought of uh, before I read this book. Notice he says, and he italicizes, or well, I guess it's the interpreter. Um, maybe he Roman italicized it or Greek, whatever the hell he was. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, the sense he gave of staying on the path rather than being kept on it. What he's saying here is by your own free will, you're staying on the path. And it's funny that, again, this was through an interpreter, so we don't know how literal it was, but Jocko calls uh, his life of self-discipline the path. That's what he always says. If you listen to Jocko, he says, staying on the path. Okay? That's what he calls it. We're on the path. Uh, so I thought it was cool to see that here. But the sense of staying on the path rather than being kept on it. Practice self-discipline. Okay, you don't need, here's the deal. If you're decent at driving uh, your car, you don't need the fucking yellow line. 
You don't like you don't need it. Uh, it's nice to have occasionally, uh, but if you're a decent driver and you know how things are going to work, you really don't need the yellow line. You should never touch it. You should never go. Oh, I'm a little close to the yellow. No, <laughs> like it, it obviously marks out your lanes. Uh, but th- take dirt roads for example. You get over when you need to get over. Um, that's how life is. That's how the path is. If you're disciplined, you're going to stay on the path and do the things that you need to do because it's the right thing to do and because you're disciplined, not because somebody is keeping you on the path. And a good little note here, uh, because I was thinking about marriage today, um, a lot of people, the reason that, uh, they get upset if chores aren't being done it's because your wife is having to keep you on the path. You're not staying on the path. You're keeping, uh, you're, she's keeping you on the path. She's trying to stay on the path yourself, herself, and she's over here guiding your ass on the path of, of doing chores and maintaining a good house. That was just something that I, that I thought of uh, that's kind of applicable. But anyway, practice self-discipline. Stay on the path. Don't be kept on the path. Something that was apparently big to Marcus Aurelius. It was important to him. We're going to go to book two. See page twenty-two, number sixteen, and again I'm reading out of the modern library version. Mileage may vary, but the numbers should be the same, I believe. Page twenty-two, number sixteen. This is for discipline. Let's see. The human soul degrades itself. One above all, when it does its best to become an abscess, a kind of detached growth on the world, to be disgruntled at anything that happens in a kind of secession from nature which compromises the nature of all things. Two, when it turns its back on another person or sets out to do it harm as the souls of the angry do. Three, when it is overpowered by pleasure or pain. Four, when it puts on a mask and does or says something artificial or false. Five, when it allows its action and impulse to be without a purpose, to be random and disconnected, Even the smallest things ought to be directed toward a goal, but the goal of a rational being is to follow the rule of law and the most ancient communities and states. So that one kind of goes to purpose, but we were going to hit it for discipline, so uh, I like this. The one I want to key in on is number three, when it is overpowered by pleasure or pain. I want to key in on pleasure there. Uh, Yeah, when it's overpowered by pain, the human soul degrades itself. That's pretty obvious. When it's overpowered by pleasure. This could be a key as to why discipline equals freedom. Because when you're overpowered by, by pleasure, uh, when you're overpowered by freedom that didn't come through discipline, um, the human soul begins to degrade itself. Let's look at this number five. When it allows its action and impulse to be without a purpose, to be random and disconnected. What, what is discipline in terms of purpose? Uh, to me, I think discipline is... The conscious choice to fulfill, to do the things that require, to do the things required to fulfill your purpose on a daily basis. I think that's what discipline is. Uh, we all know. So, discipline is the uh, the desire and ability to do the hard things required to fulfill your purpose. Anybody can do the easy things of being a husband. Uh, hopefully, there are many easy things. To being a husband, and they happen often, I hope, for all of you out there. Um, but anybody can do the easy parts of being a husband. That's that's no problem. Uh, but discipline is required to do the hard parts of being a husband. And so 
that's what he's saying here is when it allows its action and impulse to be without a purpose, to be random and disconnected. Uh, yeah, when you're living without a purpose, your actions are random and disconnected. Even the smallest things ought to be directed towards the goal, but the goal of a rational being is to follow rule and law of the most ancient of communities and states. Let's let's understand what he's trying to say by that. But the goal of rational beings is to follow the rule and law of the most ancient communities and states. I don't know that he's talking about actual laws. Um, Back then, I mean, the Roman Empire was pretty damn huge. So maybe he is talking about actual communities and actual states, but I think a really good way to read this is just by groups of people. The rule and law of of the most ancient communities and states. Um, When you look at that in terms of just groups of people, organized groups of people... um, what he's saying is follow the things that you know to be true from the past and, and things that humans have done for centuries. Things that are so ingrained in our nature uh, that we know are right and good that they've been done for centuries. And I think that is the, I think that's where discipline really comes in because a lot of those things are hard to do. Staying physically fit, um, eating somewhat decent so that we can survive um doing these hard things going out to work every single day uh they weren't always a choice and that's an argument to be made that it really wasn't rule and law of the most ancient cities but it was rule and law um you know games are played with rules and uh if you didn't follow the rule of getting your ass out there and getting some food for your family you died and you lost the game so (laughs) um i do think that it could be interpreted like that uh and again when paired with number three when it's overpowered by pleasure or pain uh being overpowered by pleasure means that you're not you're not being disciplined you're not doing the hard things that it takes to fulfill your purpose that's how i'm going to interpret it anyway I hope that y'all got something out of that. Again, that was uh, book two, number 16. So to go back to my notes, book three, number five. Oh, this is this is a good one. This, this kind of goes back to book number one, The Path. Let's see, book three, number five. This is where I said he hits on this theme quite often. Sorry, this is a paperback and I'm trying to get it where I can actually open the pages. Let's see. Book three, number five, how to act. So he goes through, um, here's one, how to act. Never under compulsion, out of selfish selfishness, without forethought, with misgivings. Don't gussy up to your thoughts. No surplus words or unnecessary actions. Let the spirit in you represent a man, an adult, a citizen, a Roman, a ruler, Talking up his post or taking up his post like a soldier and patiently awaiting his recall from life. No need needing no oath or witness. That's a good that's a good thing for discipline. Needing no oath or witness. Do the things that you do not because you promise somebody, but because they're right and because you have a purpose. Needing no oath or witness. Do the things that are right, not because somebody's watching you or because you've made some grand doys, grand yeah, some grand promise. Uh, like taking an oath. Be disciplined because it's the right thing to do. Uh, Cheerfulness without requiring other people's help or serenity supplied by others. To stand up straight 
not straightened. I think this is a theme. I think this comes up a couple times in the book, uh, especially later. This is the same thing we just talked about, to to stay on the path, not be kept on the path. To stand up straight, not straightened. Um, it, It means exactly what you think it means. It means to stand up straight on your own accord. Um, stand up straight because you want to. Stand up straight because you know it's the right thing to do. Be disciplined. Uh, straight means disciplined. What what it, What is like a number one sign of an undisciplined person? Bad posture. Yes, disciplined people can still have bad posture, but I don't know that you're going to find many undisciplined people with great posture. I don't think you're going to find that. Um, because comfort creates bad posture. Uh, it does because that's what it does. Prove me wrong, I guess. Um, I don't have any evidence for this. I just think that's what it does because all the comfortable shit ruins people's backs. Sitting on a couch all day ruins your back because you're not having to actually use your muscles to keep your back straight. Um, so comfort creates bad posture. So this is how we know he's talking about discipline. Stand up straight, straight on the path. Um, exercise discipline. Don't have people make you exercise discipline. This is a good note for accountability partners. Um, I'm real bad about this. I think so. Uh, or at least I used to be. Accountability partners are not there to keep you on the path. Accountability partners are there to recognize when you're off the path and check you on it. Um, they're not there to keep you on the path. You know, Brett and I do, Brett and I occasionally, uh, I say we almost like every day, at least three or four times a week, um, Brett and I will do a 5 a.m. phone call when we're both intending to get up at 5 a.m. What does it do? Number one, it starts our day off with some really good encouragement because Brett and I are both positive people, especially with each other. We start our day with a 5 a.m. phone call of, hey, man, go get the fuck after it. Whatever you're going to do today, go start stacking dubs and uh, win today. So that's really good. But also, what does it do? I'm a lot less likely to miss and sleep in if I've got a 5 a.m. phone call with Brett. And I did it once, and I, I felt bad about it. Um, I always feel bad about it. So, But it's not Brett's job to make sure that I wake up at 5 a.m. It's Brett's job to catch the fact that I didn't wake up at 5 a.m. And when I wake up at 6.30, him say, dude, what the hell? We had a 5 a.m. Uh, a lot of people miss that with accountability partners and I'll be the biggest one to, to admit that I've missed it in the past because I wasn't disciplined and I wanted somebody to do the discipline for me. I wanted somebody to remember everything that I had to do that day and to ask me about all the things that I had to do that day. Uh, and you know, almost do them for me. That's what I wanted out of an accountability partner. And that's not the right way to do it. Uh, I need to stand up straight, not be straightened, uh, be disciplined because you want to I think that was. That was pretty good. I like that. And like I said, it comes up again. He's he's fond of that, fond of that phrase. So the next uh, order of business, good. This is the next theme that I found, uh, particularly in book four. Uh, if you'll notice, we didn't have anything for discipline on book four because there wasn't really much in there um, for discipline. But book four is the book of good. Book four is the book of, hey, how do I take bad things and use them in my benefit. So let's go ahead and go to book four. So to start it off, um, we did talk about YOLO, the the purpose, um, the purpose issue, I guess. So let's look at number eight on book four. It's short. It says it can ruin your life only if it ruins your character. Otherwise, it cannot harm you inside or out. 
Let's think about that in in terms of good. If you get something, it can't be bad and it can't harm you if your character is not shaken. So if you know who you are, if you know your character, if you've got purpose, if you've got principles, then it can't harm you. So what's the point in thinking that it's bad? It can't harm you. It can only strengthen you. Um, that's what he's saying here. It can ruin your life only if it ruins your character. Otherwise, it cannot harm you. For example, I failed phase one. Um, back in the summer, I failed it on a progress picture. It sucked ass. I was so far into it. I was like 27 days into it. Uh, and I failed phase one. Well, Failing phase one didn't ruin my character. I knew who I was. I knew that I could exercise discipline. I knew that I could go another 30 days. I was good on my principles. Uh, I wasn't going to quit after I failed. What, you know, no, that's not an option. So there really could be no bad from failing phase one. So I had to say good. And that's what I did. I called Brett, uh, talked about how I failed phase one. We both said, good. Now you get an opportunity to grind for 30 more days. Uh, It couldn't. Because I had my character held intact, it couldn't harm me inside or out. I thought that was pretty good. Number eight, book four. Good. Let's see. Keep going. Book four Book four is kind of spread apart. Like I said, there's some stuff that you could find meaning in. Uh, I didn't. I just didn't. Um, not much highlighted. To the world, your harmony is mine. Whatever time you choose is the right time. Not late, not early. That's kind of the dying stuff. Not me. Not me. Next thing I had highlighted was book four, number 26. I've got in here. It says, you've seen that. Now look at this. Don't be disturbed. Uncomplicate. Yeah. Uncomplicate yourself. Some, someone has done wrong to himself. Don't really know what any of that means. Highlighted right here. Something happens to you. Good. (laughs) It was meant for you by nature. Woven into the pattern from the beginning. Uh, This is kind of like, I don't know if fatalistic is the right word, but it was fate. Nature had it intended for you. Um, I just thought it was so cool and so funny. He says, something happens to you, good. Literally, that, that is exactly, exactly how you practice good. 100% to the T. Uh, it was meant for you by nature, woven into the pattern from the beginning. You can look at it like that. Um, maybe it helps you uh, It helps you say good if you say, this was intended for me, uh, whether I wanted it or not, so I'm going to make the best of it. Maybe that helps you. I don't find that that helps me very much all the time. I really don't. Uh, what I say is, well, this thing happened. How am I going to make the best of it? You know, I don't really find any solace in saying this was meant for me. This was my responsibility. You know what I mean? Like somebody gets cancer and I'm like, oh, this is my, you know, this was meant for me. This was the challenge for me. No, not really. Uh, but what I do find a lot of comfort in is saying, well, this happened. Good. I'm going to try to make the best out of it. That was good. Number 26. (laughs) Good. Um, let's see. Suppose it got announced. Those forgotten where the road leads. Oh, there is nothing bad in undergoing change or good in emerging from it. Uh, I kind of disagree with this. This is kind of goes against, and you can see. I don't. I don't know. We've got to talk about this, guys. Uh, the elephant in the room. Marcus never really intended for anybody to read this. And so again, back to the point of everybody reading this as if it's some great literary masterpiece where every word is placed in there exactly how it's meant to be placed. Uh, there's a good chance that this dude was drunk and half out of his mind on some of the days that he was reading this. Uh, not everything has to make sense, and it does conflict in here. If you're a person that loves consistency like me and you know loves to see a consistent theme throughout a book, 
a lot of things don't really match up in this book. He'll say something like, remember that you're going to die or, you know, you shouldn't be thinking about death. And then he'll say something like uh, what he just said, where he said something happens to you, good. And then the next page he says, there is nothing bad at undergoing change or good in emerging from it. Well, (laughs) homie, you just said that if something happens to you, good. That's change. So it's a little incoherent. Um, and I think this is where kind of the stoicism versus Jocko good comes out. This is stoicism. What he's saying is there's nothing bad in undergoing change or good in emerging from it. What he's saying is that the things that happen to you, they're not inherently good or bad. They are, um, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe he's right. Maybe it's not in opposition with good. Maybe what he's saying here is that there is nothing inherently bad in undergoing change or good in emerging from it, uh, that's up to you to do. So maybe I'll give him a little bit more credit. Uh, Maybe it is the change isn't bad. Emerging from the change isn't inherently good, but it can be if you want it to be. Maybe I'll I'll give him the benefit of the doubt, and maybe that's what he's saying. Um, I still have to go and find the rest of this. Oh, this this one is really good. Number 49 and 49A. 49, to be like the rock that the waves keep crashing over. It stands unmoved and the raging of the sea falls still around it. 49A, it's unfortunate that this happened. No, it's fortunate that this has happened and I've remained unharmed by it, not shattered by the present or frightened of the future. It could have happened to anyone, but not everyone could have remained unharmed by it. Why treat the ones as a misfortune or why treat the one as a misfortune rather than the other as a fortune? Can you really call something a misfortune that doesn't violate human nature or do you think or do you think something that's not against it's not against nature's will can violate it? But you know what its will is. Does what's happened keep you from acting with justice, generosity, self-control, sanity, prudence, honesty, humility, straightforwardness, and all the other qualities that allow a person's nature to, to fulfill itself? So remember this principle. When something threatens to cause you pain, the thing itself was no misfortune at all. To endure it and to prevail is great fortune. That is literally the Roman... Uh, Way too many words for what needs to be said version of good. That's that's exactly what it is. Uh, to be like a rock that the waves keep crashing over. It stands unmoved and the raging of the sea falls still around it. Um, it's unfortunate that this happened. No, it's fortunate that this happened. And I've remained unharmed by it. Not shattered by the present or frightened of the future. It could have happened to anyone. But not everyone could have remained unharmed by it. Why treat the one as a misfortune rather than the other as a fortune? Can you really call something a misfortune that doesn't violate human nature? Or do you think something that's not against nature's will can violate it? But you know what its will is. Does what's happened keep you from acting with justice, generosity, self-control, sanity, prudence, honesty, humility, straightforwardness, and all the other qualities that allow a person's nature to fulfill itself. That kind of goes back to what we talked about with the character. As long as it doesn't, as long as my character remains intact, it can't harm me. Uh, yeah, this is just a, (laughs) a culmination of, uh, of Jocko's good. So good. So remember this principle that threatens to cause you pain. The thing itself was no misfortune at all to endure it and to prevail is great, good fortune. 
yeah, guys, that kind of wraps up book four. Uh, if you needed any further explanation on Jocko's good, you just found it. You just found it. Things that happen to you, they're not good and they're not bad. Uh, find good in them. Um, let me put it this way. They're not good and they're not bad before they get to you. Uh, it's up to you to decide that they're good. Bad isn't an option. It's not. Uh, because that gets you nowhere. It really does get, it doesn't get you anywhere. Honestly, uh, saying that this thing is super bad and it's going to ruin my life gets you nowhere. It's good. Find an opportunity out of it. Find a way that it can be a benefit, reap those benefits. And that's how you keep winning, finding benefits where other people don't. Um, so guys, that's the way we're going to go through meditations. I hope you enjoy it. Um, it takes a little bit longer. I mean, this book club episode is getting to an hour, um, these other ones where the chapters get a little bit deep, they may go a little bit longer and I hope y'all guys are okay with that. Uh, I may start breaking them up into two. I don't know. I may start releasing them on Thursday so that I've got two days to record it because, uh, DLM works on Wednesday and Thursday nights. So that's when I record. Um, so I may start doing that, uh, recording them on two days and posting them on Thursdays. I, I might do that. I don't know. I like having my Thursdays free. Thursdays are my days that I kind of don't do anything. So we'll see, we'll see how that goes. Um, but guys, I, this book, I think is really good. If you read it right, I think it is. I think you can get lost in the sauce a little bit. Um, the way that I'm going to read it, the way that I'm going to review it, the way that I recommend you read it is to take the things that mean something to you. Take what you're looking for out of the book, because it's got a little bit of everything. And remember again, that this dude was not writing a book. He wasn't writing a book. He was jotting down notes. Um, this is his diary, <laughs> I guess, uh, not necessarily diary, but just mementos notes that he wanted to keep. Um, you know, I want you to think of if somebody now, a lot of you would be in a lot of trouble because I know you, but if somebody took your iPhone notes and read them, um, to people years and years later, I want you to think about how, uh, how much you would belly laugh when somebody, uh, read something that you wrote, especially if it was in another language, um, how much you would belly laugh at some of the things, the shit that they thought was serious. Um, you know, for me, like, <laughs> Maybe, yeah, I, I can't even think of a good example right now um, that is funny enough to mention. But, I mean, just think about that and, and approach the book like that. There is a lot of wisdom. This was a really, really wise dude. Uh, but your grandpas are all pretty wise dudes, and they still say some stupid shit. Um, <laughs> everybody does. So don't get too deep into this book. Don't read it as if it is the Word of God. It's not. Um, if you like stoicism, hop into it, I guess. Not a fan on stoicism. Not a fan of stoicism. Um, I think there's other ways to get it done. Other answers that are a little bit more coherent in stoicism. But uh, really enjoyed it, guys. Really, really enjoying this book. I hope that you enjoy the next few weeks of reviewing it. Let me know what you think. And thanks for tuning in.